How's it going, guys? Welcome into this week's episode of the Houston Clutch Report podcast. My name is Spencer Nolan. It is great to be with you as always. Joining me to my left is JP Ranitsky. JP, how's it going? Back it's, from our week off. How yeah, you been? It's going really well. I'm really enjoying myself recently. Um, a lot happier after Tuesday, that's yes, for sure. Yes, a yes. Lot. Tuesday night made us both happy campers. Yes. And we will get to that. And, and of course, we're talking about the Rockets and the Warriors game, uh, game four, in which the Rockets came out on top 95-92. We will get to that. Um, but first... Uh, we do want to touch a little bit on the Eastern Conference and what's been going on there. We didn't have a podcast last week, so there's a lot to catch up on across the NBA. And we'll we'll end the show with a little bit of Astros talk, uh, but we're mainly focused on the Rockets today, of course, as the entire city of Houston should be. Yes. But we start in the East, JP. So after last night, Boston is up 3-2 to two mm-hmm. over the LeBrons. The, yeah. The LeBrons. The, the Cleveland, Cleveland LeBrons. LeBrons. Right. Do you think... Boston shuts the door on Game 6, or does Cleveland force a Game 7? Well, judging by my pre-series prediction of both you and I of Boston in 6, I think Boston will close it out in Game 6, as mm-hmm. we expected. Yeah, I, I I was thinking about our predictions earlier today, and yes, we're both on track to be correct, but in hindsight, I'm kind of mad at myself for not picking Celtics in 7, mm-hmm. because I, I the, the Celtics have been so bad on the road this, this playoffs, and LeBron is is so good in the playoffs. I, it's hard for me to pick against LeBron in the playoffs. It's the first time I've ever done it, was picking the Celtics. I've never picked against LeBron ever before. Mm-hmm. Now, he still he still could pull it out. I, w- neither of us would be surprised to see LeBron win a, win a game seven no, not in Boston. N- neither of us would be surprised because he's LeBron. He's, mm-hmm. he's the GOAT, or arguably the GOAT. We can get to that another time. But... I would not be surprised to see the Celtics close this thing out in Cleveland either. So yeah, I, I, I'm I'm I think I'll stick with my prediction as well. But I am a little more hesitant about it than that. Is there any takeaways from the series so far? What yeah. you've seen? I mean, it makes the most sense. Boston's definitely a home team. Uh, their road record's pretty pathetic, especially in the postseason. Uh, the only postseason win that they have is in the semifinals. It was the game three game against the 76ers. So you look their first round series against the Bucks. They lost all three games on the road. Then they went. They split the two against Philly, and so far they're zero and two against Cleveland. So I can definitely understand them losing Game Six on the road. But at the same point in time, it's the Cleveland LeBron Jameses, and he is the reason. He's the heart and soul. The absolutely. Only, it, without him, this team doesn't make the playoffs. And so, especially if you look at a game like yesterday, where he only scores twenty six points, but he still has twenty six points, ten boards, five assists. And he's shooting fifty percent from the field. It's one of those things where it's like he, it's hard for him to do more, and it, other people have to step up. Kevin Love scored double digits. He was the only other player worth anything on that court yesterday. Um, and so it, I don't know. It, it'll be a good game tomorrow. Uh, I, obviously, I'm looking forward to tonight's game more than tomorrow's game. Uh, but I think Boston, it'll probably it'll be closer. I don't think LeBron's gonna blow them out. I don't think that that's gonna. Oh be... no, no, no! I think I think those days are are long gone for yep. this Cavs team. This Cavs team, we've mentioned it before, by far the worst supporting cast LeBron James has had since his 2000 team, or I'm sorry, his 2007 team mm-hmm. that he took uh, to the finals with Cleveland against the Spurs, and where they were eventually swept. Yep. I think we've all known for a while that the that whoever wins this series between the the Celtics and the Cavs. Doesn't really matter. Neither of them are going to win the championship. Um, yeah, probably not. I Obviously, I would think that the Celtics probably have a better chance than the Cavs just because the Celtics are a more complete team. 
Um, especially when you, you see all the players we've been talking about recently with the Celtics, players like Terry Rozier, who is having a great series. Uh, and then these last couple games have been throwing up some duds. Uh, and then, you know, it's been very much... I, the, I mean, Tatum's been the guy for me who's just Tatum, really, my God. He's really shown up as this young guy, already taken over this team where going into the season he was at best the third best guy on that team. At worst, he could, you know, he would have been a role player, bench yeah. player even, coming into to the season. And he's already shown us like, no, it's pretty much my team. I mean, it's not his team, it's Brad Stevens' team. But he still has showed so much poise and character in this series and in the entire playoffs. So. I absolutely agree. And, and it, I think it's telling the fact that he's played so well this playoffs. People have mentioned now, and now this is like a complete like like rumor and it really didn't have much substance probably, but they're, they're now talking like they maybe would consider trading Kyrie Irving for the right mm-hmm. uh, bargain. I saw them, I saw it being discussed for Carl Anthony Towns. So wildly, wildly untrue rumor, but it gives you the sense of why, like, why they're willing to do that is because of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Terry Rozier. They are a stacked, stacked mm-hmm. team. Now, uh, so we so transitioning to the Rockets, let me ask you this. Now, I, I said that I don't think there's any Eastern Conference team that can win the championship. What would be the most likely scenario that an Eastern Conference team would win? Would it be the Cavs beating the Rockets? Would it be the Cavs beating the Warriors? Celtics beating Rockets? Celtics beating Warriors? Uh, what would it, you think? It would probably be Celtics beating the Rockets. And the reason I would say that is because Brad Stevens being such a smart coach, um, who I think is probably, I mean, he's a finalist for Coach of the Year. I think it's end up going to go to Quinn Snyder, deservedly. Uh-huh. Um, but or Dwayne I think, Casey. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah the fire Formerly dude. employed Dwayne Casey. Awkward. Uh I think that he could find a better way to beat the Rockets than he could to beat the Warriors, especially if the Warriors continue to get healthy. Uh, Steph, as obviously as our, the series with the Rockets has progressed, you see himself getting better and better. Those first two games in Houston, he was nowhere close to the Steph Curry of old, and then games three and four, he's really started to pour it on. So, unfortunately, Clay Thompson got banged up, uh, was likely to play today. Andre Iguodala, who did not play game four, still questionable to play game five today. Um, and if they were 100% or even 90% healthy, uh, full stacked against the Celtics, I feel like that it would be near impossible mm-hmm. for the Celtics to win. I, I, you actually, that's exactly how I feel. I think I think that's the only really tangible way for that to happen is would be Brad Stevens outcoaching Mike D'Antoni. Yes, and and that's can happen. We've absolutely seen that happen before. We saw it happen last year. Greg Popovich completely outcoached oh. Mike D'Antoni in the playoffs. Pants Absolutely. Now, if I had to give a second most likely, I think it would be LeBron beating the Warriors. Yes. And then after that, I just don't see another tangible way. I don't think no. LeBron, I don't think that team can beat the Rockets. Mm-hmm. I don't think, and I don't think the Celtics could stand up to the Warriors, like you said. But I agree. So let's get let's start talking about the the true NBA Finals, or at least for this year. This is the true NBA Finals. Yes. Game five is tonight mm-hmm. in Houston. Mm-hmm. I'm a nervous wreck. I don't know about you, <laughs> especially going into every single game in this series. I've just been a nervous wreck because all we've heard, literally every single game, we've heard nothing about. Oh, the Rockets have to win this game. It's a must win for the Rockets. And, and so I'm over here like, what is even a must win game anymore to you, JP? They, they don't have that, that, that term has no more meaning to me because they've just said every game is a must win. But it's the playoffs. Every game is a must win. No, it, I think the storyline that I've seen more than anything else is if the Warriors win and the Rockets lose a game, everyone talks about 
So you see Kevin Durant is the best player in the league, and Steph Curry's playing well, Klay Thompson's playing well, yada, yada, yada. And if the Rockets win and Golden State loses, the conversation's always, oh, well, you know, that Kevin Durant had too much pressure. He should have taken the last shot. Steph Curry was making bad throws. Klay Thompson needs to get that shot down at the end of the game. It's always, it's always Golden State, Golden State, Golden State. You never talk about the Rockets in a positive manner, but they do talk about the Rockets in a negative manner. Absolutely. Getting blown out by 41 points. That's what everyone's, you know, talking about. Oh, they gave up. They just look gassed. They got outcoached, yada, yada, yada. Game one, when you lose, uh, every, the entire storyline is, oh, they ran 45 ISO plays. James Harden was just standing at the top of the key. Dribble, dribble, dribble. He mm-hmm. out-dribbled Steph Curry and Kevin Durant combined. So it's, they, you never, they, the Rockets never get credit, which Absolutely is so not. strange to me. Especially when you know, it's uh, Charles Barkley anytime in pregame, he's like, hey, James Harden and Chris Paul both have to play lights out in order for them to have a chance to win. And really in the two games that they have won, they both played well, but they haven't played lights out. Game two, they were bo- well, they were both pretty awesome. And then game game four, each one of them had a bad half. Mm-hmm. Chris Paul, horrible in the first, yes. great in the second to close things out. James Harden, though, kept them in the game when they were down 12 nothing, And people people gloss over that fact, and it makes me mad. I'm seeing all these haters on Twitter saying, oh, Harden didn't, didn't show up in the second half. Chris Paul bailed him out. But if you were watching the game, you saw Harden literally claw the team back into the game and mm-hmm. made it even like a game. They were up at halftime after being down 24-12. to 12 to actually start the game, and then being down 24-12 and in, in deeper into the first quarter. Yep. And they ended the game... Uh, only allowing the Warriors to score 12 points in the fourth quarter, which never has been done before. It's insane. And insane, but no one wants to credit the the fact that the Rockets were locked in on defense. Mm-hmm. James Harden being a huge, huge factor in that. Yes. He was on the court the entire time, and mm-hmm. they played that great defense. Yeah. And now that leads me to another thing that I'm worried about going into tonight. You know, credit credit aside, the Rockets are tired. They're going to be tired tonight. I'm really worried. They, had, they only had a seven-man rotation. That's the kicker. Gerald Green, and he was one of those seven, and he only played, I think, like 12 minutes 12 or so. Minutes. That's just not good. And P.J. Tucker, putting his life out there on the court, played mm-hmm. 45 minutes, had yep. 16 rebounds. It's I, I, I really struggle seeing them doing that again. They're going to have to add someone back in the rotation. I, I'm not sure who. I'm not sure if Luke uh, Bamute is probably. feeling more healthy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I feel like D'Antoni's probably afraid to play him because he's, he's just been so... He just, you can tell he's unhealthy. He's more like, I've never seen it before this season where he just looks unhealthy. Even when he came back from the dislocated shoulder the first and the first time, he didn't look bad when he first came back. Now, granted, he had a lot more time to heal and it wasn't so much of a pressure thing to bring him back. And maybe that's why we're seeing him look unhealthy, but he definitely sketches me out. I, I'm, I, I've, I've, that's my boy, Luke Bamute. I've, you've heard me. All season long, just bro crush on this guy, but I'm not sure I want to see him tonight. I'm not sure at all. He worries me. So I think the key is going to be whether or not Andre Iguodala plays. Because you look, uh, the first two games, well, I'm bringing it up specifically because of Clint Capella. Because Andre Iguodala, you know, he, he gets the offense going in a way, but he really gets his presence felt on defense. Absolutely. And, and so in those first two games, when he played the entire game, Capella played 30 minutes game one, 31 minutes game two. You go into game three where he gets hurt in the middle of game three. Capella plays 22 minutes. And then again in game four on Tuesday, Capella with no Andre Guadalla plays 24 minutes. 
So whenever it gets to the point where they're not as a physical team, the Golden State Warriors, uh, they limit Capella's minutes. They want more shooters out on the court. Uh, you look at the minutes, the split minutes on Game 4 specifically. Gerald Green played the t- uh, 12. Clint Capella played 24. Eric Gordon was on the court 35 minutes. And then the rest of the starters, Ariza, Tucker, Paul, and Harden, had 40-plus minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I don't believe that they can play that kind of ball for the last, next three games because uh, you they will get tired. You will see a... I hate, I always hate saying it, but bringing up that game five uh, against the Spurs, or game six against the Spurs, sorry, where it's just James Harden's just, you know, a ghost of himself. Right. But you can easily see that happen if he feels compelled. Now, obviously, he doesn't have to shoulder that load. Chris Paul is playing a lot of point. They're splitting a lot of that time. I think that makes a huge difference. The fact that these minutes last year, like, in, in that, and it's funny, the game before uh, that game, they were tired. When they went, they, like, that game five, they lost in overtime to the Spurs in San Antonio. They were playing a seven-man rotation. Mm-hmm. All you've basically done is take out Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly and Ryan Anderson to an extent and replace them with P.J. Tucker, Gerald Green, and uh, who am I missing? Uh, oh, I can't. I, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Bob Mute? Yes, yeah. yeah. So you're just replacing them with them and... I definitely could see. Oh, I'm sorry. No, Chris Paul. That was oh, a little Chris Paul, PJ Tucker, and Gerald Green have yeah. replaced Lou Williams, Pat Bev, and PJ Tucker. Mm-hmm. Okay, there we go. Got it. Got it. Somewhat figured out. You know what I'm trying to say? Though I got you. The fact that it's not Patrick Beverly and it's Chris Paul makes it all that much better. So mm-hmm. that helps me. That helps ease some concerns about a repeat of Game Six happening tonight. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on because it's very concerning how many minutes they played. Sure. Um, and even still, uh, in a game, uh, I was talking about this with some of my uh, friends after Game 4, that Game 4 is the exact kind of game the Rockets needed in this series. They needed a game where it was close, it was defensive, neither team was effective for the entire game. First quarter, Golden State. Second quarter, Houston. Third quarter, Golden State. Fourth quarter, Houston. And they pull out that close win. Because you, you look at the shooting percentages, the Rockets in Game 4 shot 39%. And the Golden State Warriors shot 39.3%. So it's pretty much a wash. And then in terms of three-point percentage, Rockets 31.6. And the Warriors shot 33.3. So the Warriors had a better three-point percentage. They had a better free-throw percentage. Uh, They had 92.9 compared to the Rockets 85.2. So the Warriors were, quote-unquote, a better team on Tuesday. But it was just a matter of they couldn't make those final buckets. And when it came to the crunch time, the big minutes, Eric Gordon, the, the second half of the first quarter, finally putting some offense yeah. in here. James Harden in the second quarter in just completely taking over the game. And then after the traditional trademark Golden State Warriors third quarter blow, where they just absolutely manhandle teams, you come back in the fourth quarter and Chris Paul brings you back. You have James Harden defensively, Trevor Ariza defensively, especially My matching up on man. Kevin Durant. Kevin, Dur- I mean, Kevin Durant did not look like himself in game four, especially in that second half. Mm-hmm. He looked uncomfortable. He looked like he was having to think about his shots. Whereas you you see Kevin Durant, especially when he makes that, that pullback, that jump shot, mm. it is so effortless. You see he floats in air, has all the time in the world, and then throws up the perfect shot. But game four, he did not look the same in the second half. And that was because Ariza was applying pressure. James Harden was applying pressure. They were not giving them comfortable shots. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it showed, you know, I think they really turned up the intensity in the fourth quarter. Mm. I think when you saw Steph shimmying, doing his little dance, his little yep. cute little dance. Yeah. And then he gets completely, from that moment that he, he did that little dance, 
He shot one of eleven the rest of the game. One of eleven, and, and only the only shot was a three pointer he made in the fourth quarter at the very beginning. And I think the biggest the biggest tell of last game, just to give you the how the game flow went, that Eric Gordon made the the only three of the game. He made it with two twenty six left in the game. That was the last field goal they made the rest of the game. Yeah, they had it was ninety four to eighty nine at that point, and the Rockets ended up winning ninety five ninety two. That's two and a half minutes of just sheer locking down what many people believe is the greatest team ever assembled mm-hmm. in NBA history. Yep. You locked them down for the biggest two and a half minutes of the season to that point. You locked them down and you put them in your game, made them play your style. Now, those two and a half minutes were absolutely grueling. And that's part of the reason why I'm just so anxious. I, 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 I was so nervous throughout that whole thing. And then... I know, I know you were thinking when they put some time back on the clock. I know you were having oh, shades of I Damian was, Lillard. Oh my god! I know I was, I was not the only one that was terrified. And then they get the ball to Steph, and he had that clean look. And I was the second he gets up, I was like, I, I know it's going in. Steph Curry, he has a, a wide open three. Oh, we missed it. Thank God he missed it. And they showed the replay afterwards, and he didn't even he get it off in time. Yeah, but it looked really clean oh at first. I was like, no way, he did not no. just. I actually started having that feeling when Chris Paul missed the first free throw. I was like, okay, well, there it is right there. He, that's you, you make that free throw. It doesn't matter. You can you do whatever you want with the second. It's like, oh, no, no. Do you no, think he should have no, missed no. the second free throw? No, I don't. I know that's been a uh, uh, debate. And you, you make that free throw. You get up by three. It doesn't matter if they get to take that final timeout in advance, make it a half court. You want that guarantee that because you're not going to foul with half a second to go right so it's a matter of whether or not they can make a shot if they can't make a shot you don't want to go into overtime at golden state i totally get that but at the same point you can't chance purposely missing that second free throw a decent amount of time when you miss that you don't touch rim well there was and only half a second fouled. left there was only half a second left that's what makes it interesting to me it's it's why it's a good debate i really could see the correct answer being either one but if they if he had missed the second free throw you know they have to take some time off the clock. The Warriors could not have just caught the ball and called timeout. The, like, the rules would not have allowed that. Oh, There's no. no way you can catch the ball and call a timeout all in one swift motion. So there would have been, at most, 0.3 seconds left on the clock. And there's nowhere near enough time to actually get a good shot off. So, I mean, it, it worked out. He made the second yes, free throw and out. they still missed the shot. Yes. But it was really, that was way, was way stressful. too close. Way too close for comfort. Um, so looking ahead tonight, mm-hmm. we mentioned we mentioned the Warriors injuries. Yes, Clay is is apparent uh, based off what I saw the last few hours from Steve Kerr. He is supposed to play. Yes, they still don't know about Iggy. We yes. probably won't know about Iggy until maybe an hour and a half or so before the game actually starts. If if Iggy does not play tonight, what do you think that that impact is for the Rockets? Do you think they change their rotation? Do you think they keep it the same? Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? So, I actually, it, it is almost less about Andre Iguodala and more about the Rockets. Uh, the way I've looked at this entire series, game one, they lost because not only did they play ISO ball, they played James, James Harden stand at the top of the key and not move for 15 seconds ISO ball, mm-hmm. where you had no shot clock, you couldn't get any of your role players going. Game three, they lose because they miss, what, 30-plus layups slash dunks, that, which is an asinine number. Like, that just does not happen. No wonder you lose by 41. You can't make Absolutely. a basket to save your life. You score 85 points in that game. You, and, Rockets never score 85 And points. the bench group did nothing to help, the, like, bring that, that margin down. When, when oh, yeah, the bench sure. warmers came in in game four, that's something I wanted to talk about. I'm sorry, game three. When the bench warmers came in, the lead got bigger. And that's not normally yeah. what you see happen. They outscored 
Houston got outscored 38 to 18 by 20 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. That's not something you normally see. No. When when the bench warmers come in, normally you see either the lead stay the same mm-hmm. or the team that's losing actually gain some points back. But the Warriors like increased their lead by six or seven points. Yeah, they doubled it, their lead. Made it look even worse. It was horrible, 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 horrible display from everyone on. But that's why I was encouraged going into game four because I knew as bad as the Rockets starters had been playing, they weren't the ones that got beat by 40. They only got beat by maybe about 20 points or so, which, 20, which 25. that normally is what happens if you play a great team and mm-hmm. you play bad. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose by that much. Yeah. And there's no point in continuing to play, quote unquote, whenever that game is that out of hand. You don't want to risk injury or anything of that nature. Right. Which I tell you, same thing happened in game two when Golden State was getting blown out. It's like, all right, we're going to put all our scrubs down. Oh, Zaza's on the floor. Let's make sure we get all our Yes, exactly. So yes, that was a great call. That was yes. a great call. Um, and so I think that's going to be the key. Uh, can they start shooting... Uh, I would say within the first five minutes of the quarter, the, uh, the beginning of the game, if they can put up, even if it's 40 to 50% shooting, if you can get somewhere in that range, that, that's even low-balling, I think. Uh, you you don't even have to be at a lead. Just as long as you're competitive to start off, you get that offense going early. That's going to be key, as well as ball movement itself. I was very impressed in Game 2, after Game 1 being such a terrible ball movement game, where I, I saw constant passing, constant motion, move, 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 find the open guy, take the shot, you know, or, you know, attack the rim. You, so ball movement, number one key, I would say more than anything else. And then number two, getting that early rhythm. If those two things happen, Golden State is going to have to just exceed the rocket shooting. And especially if Andre doesn't play, and we know even if Clay does play, Clay's He's not hurt. 100% healthy. Absolutely. We saw how badly he played in the second half. Uh, of game back. four, once he came back, he wasn't himself. He made a he made a couple threes, but they were literally wide open, standing still threes. Mm-hmm. I think if the Rockets can play just one hundred percent disciplined defense on Clay Thompson, I think he finishes with like six points. I think they he's in a position right now they could absolutely lock him down and take him completely out mm-hmm. of the game. Because I've been on record before. I think as great as as Clay is, and he is a great player, no doubt. He is an all star in this league. Yes. I'm not taking anything away from him. However, he is he's not much more than the best three and D player in the league, and I think I've said that before too. But that's what he is. Someone who definitely can be taken out of a game if you if you if you play really hard defense and you keep up with him going through screens, and you just make it uncomfortable for him, Mm -hmm. his shot's not going to fall. We've seen that already happen in the series. He's really not had a good series at all. He he got really hot in game one when they were leaving him wide open, giving him these plenty of opportunities. But since then, he's been completely silent. They've won games because of KD and Steph lately. And then that's the other thing, too, is you understand, or uh, Mike D'Antoni, it seems, understands, that between all the guys that Golden State has, at least one of them is going to go off. Yes. You cannot you cannot defend all of them. And so they've been very good at saying, okay, this is a Steph game. Let Steph shoot. You guard everyone else. Oh, this is a Kevin Durant game. Let Kevin Durant do his thing. You guard everyone else. You shut them down. And then another key for tonight's game, which I liked in game four, but for the first three games have really been pretty bad, was the officiating. The officiating in game four, they swallowed their whistle for the most part, and mm-hmm. I think that that was the correct thing to do on a lot of the plays. The last play, I'm not okay with. I'm yeah. not okay with how they handled, but I honestly would agree with you for for the most part. I thought that was a pretty fairly officiated game for the most part. Yes. And they, they seemed, uh, especially games one and three, I know those just happened to be the games that Golden State won, but in games one and three, it seemed that they were calling a lot more fouls, and they were not being consistent in the fouls that they called. Uh, the one that I point to the most is the game one 
where Draymond uh, had a push where he could have easily gotten his second technical in that game. He should have gotten his second technical in that game or even a flagrant foul and nothing happened. There was also, I believe there was, it was either game three or game four, game four I can't remember. Um, but I, I think it was game four where there was an issue of someone getting hit in the face with a hand, which reminded me immediately of the Rockets Jazz series, freaking P.J. Tucker. That's like, right. Bat, batting a guy, getting a flagrant one. And it's the right. exact same thing happens. Obviously, it, was, it wasn't it was a flying by the side and his arm was outstretched. It mm-hmm. was kind of, his arm was down low. That was Joe Ingles. He did yeah. it to Joe Ingles. That's and right. so, and, but then there was no foul at all called on that. And it's, just, it's one of those things where I just I want consistency more than anything else from the officiating. If they want to consistently say, "Hey, you're reaching in, you're getting a foul." Hey, you know, if if you're driving to the the rim, we're not going to call a foul unless it's uh, egregious. As long as they have the same game plan for 48 minutes for both teams, that's all I need to see. I think we can breathe a humongous sigh of relief knowing that Tony Brothers and Scott Foster they are not the referees yes. tonight. Now, the NBA might be saving them for a very much-needed Game 7 that they want the Warriors to win for their their precious TV ratings. But for tonight, we don't have to deal with Tony Brothers and Scott Foster, which is a very, very good omen for tonight. So, speaking of tonight, it's prediction time, JP. Game 5, just Game 5, not not the series. How do the Rockets do tonight? Uh, Real quick, I did have uh, hear something really funny, which is if you don't know who's officiating an NBA game... Then you have a good crew because if you know who's officiating, it's always bad. That's fair, absolutely one hundred percent fair take. I like um, it. So the way I see tonight breaking down, uh, I see the Rockets winning. I think they win, uh, not as defensive as it was in Game Four. Uh, picking a score, I would say Rockets one fourteen, Golden State one oh six. I think it's going to be relatively close throughout the entire game. You're going to get those stretches where. The Rockets go on like a 15-2 to run, and Golden State goes on a 12-4 run because that's just how both teams play. They're very hot and cold teams. Absolutely. Um, but I think towards the end of the third, not the beginning of the third, towards the end of the third and the beginning of the fourth quarter, the Rockets are going to pull away. And even though I think that it's going to be an eight-point game at the end of it, I think kind of trailing, you ha- get a sense that the Rockets have the game in hand as long as they don't have a very large gaffe, and I think that they're not going to have a big mistake at the end of the game. They'll still win around, by around eight points. Okay, yeah, I, I like you. I'm in the same kind of range as you. I have the Rockets winning. I have 118-110. Okay. I have 118-110. I don't think we'll play as good defense on them as we did last game. Yes. I think they're going to get their buckets tonight. However, I, I, I have a feeling... Tonight is a three-point night for the Rockets. I think the, mm, the threes are going to be falling at a very call. high rate. I think we'll probably hit maybe 20, maybe 22 or 23 in that ballpark. But I think we're going to hit a lot of threes. We're going to hit them maybe probably not at a very high percentage. I ex- expect maybe somewhere in the ballpark of like 20 of like 70, 20 of 60, something like that. I could see us easily putting up a humongous amount of three. I think wow. that I think the emphasis is on three-pointers tonight. I think we see a lot of them go in. So real quick, uh, in terms of threes throughout the series, game one, 13 of 37, 35%. Game two, 16 of 42 for 38%. Game three, 11 of 34 for 32%. Game four, 12 of 38 for 31%. So we haven't seen a very big no. three-point outburst from this team basically since I think maybe the Minnesota series. I think there may have I, one we had of the a Jazz twi- games where there was a decent three-point. Right, yeah. But. we. The, the only one I can really think of come to mind would maybe be the game we dropped 50 in the third quarter against the Timberwolves, which yeah. people talk about the Warriors. Was it game four? Uh, yes, it was game four. Yeah. It was when we won, the only game we won in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But people only talk, people will talk about the Warriors as this great third 
quarter team, and they have been. Obviously, they've proven it in this entire in this series. They've proven to be a great third quarter team. But like I just said, the Rockets had a fifty point third quarter against the Timberwolves this playoffs. So don't tell me that this this Rockets team is just going to be completely faltering in the third quarter too. No, they'll get the, their buckets too. It's just they need to really step up on defense in the third quarter. That's a humongous, humongous key. All so, right. So you're saying that you're backing off of your Warriors and six prediction? I am backing off my okay. Warriors. That's all I needed to hear. I am backing off. We're exactly the Rockets are exactly where they wanted to be. Best of three home court advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I saw this series breaking down, I, I felt it, it was looking like it was going to be that way at first. You I thought had, it was going to be split. They win both of their games in Golden State, mm-hmm. and then yeah, then I had us right? being down three one going into tonight. Yeah. We win tonight, and then we lose in in the Oracle yeah. for Game Six. That's what I had mm-hmm. going, and it was looking like that was going to happen until the Rockets really just gutted out that win, and and in gritty, grindy fashion, mm-hmm. and that has completely changed my outlook mm-hmm. for the series. Yeah, I think the to kind of put it nailing it, the Rockets in the past two games have scored eighty five and ninety five points. There is no way they're going to be held under 100 today. I, I absolutely agree. Um, so that wraps up our Rockets talk. Real quick, we'll touch on a little bit of Astros talk. Uh, JP, they're back in their winning ways. Yeah. 32-18, and 18, but the biggest, probably, I haven't looked at the entire schedule, mm-hmm. but I think, you'd be right hard, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a more, like, important stretch of 11 games the rest of the season than this one right here. It's huge. We have it's very huge. Four this weekend, starting tonight against Cleveland. Yep. Then we at go Cleveland. at Cleveland. Then we go to New York for three, and then we're home for Boston for four. Yep. And then actually after that, we play two games against Seattle, who's no slouch either. Yeah, but they they are dealing with a lot of issues. Robbie Cano's gone. They're dealing with some injuries. I think you know preseason Mariners were a team I liked a lot. I think I'm backing off of that now. I don't want to. I I'm not wanting to pick them anymore now that <laughs> no Robinson can know. I, that's that's a no, that's no deal for 80 me. Eighty games. Who saw that coming, man? That's not for something super weird too. But I'm again it's they, the substance that they knew. It's always weird. They always have an excuse. That's what <laughs> Verlander tweeted. Excuses true. coming in three, two, yeah. one, and he was spot on because every yeah. single time these guys get caught for for doping, they always have some really crazy reason. Even Forrest Whitley. He got suspended for the game. He has some stupid reason. Like, dude, you're, just stop. You know what you're putting in your body. Just relax. Um, speaking of doping, uh, real nugget we could throw in there real quick. Uh, Jonathan Singleton, bye-bye. Got yes. released finally. Yes. Far um, overdue. Yes. Big-time scrub. I hope he enjoys sleeping in until noon every day, smoking weed all the time, because that's pretty much all he's going to do. He's going to sit there and cash his checks and smoke weed all day. So mm-hmm. good riddance, Jonathan Sim- uh, Singleton. There's so much potential there, and you just threw it all away. Anyways, so Jake P, uh, since we're not really, I'm not sure when we'll have our next podcast. We probably will have it next week, but just for for conversation's sake, I want uh-huh. us to I want us to uh, give us predictions for this 11 game stretch. Okay, the entire 11th game 11 game stretch. Oh my! How do you how do you think they do? Now keep in mind they Josh Reddick on the DL. They brought back Jake Marisnik. Mm-hmm. Tony mm-hmm. Kemp has been swinging a very really hot bat. Had five RBIs uh, not yesterday but the day before. Tony Kemp's really look. I, if Tony Kemp gets sent back down the rest of the season, I'm I'm gonna riot, unless it's for Kyle Tucker, and then I might be okay. But <laughs> but Tony Kemp needs to be up here for the rest of the season. He is he's balling out. I really like him a lot. Yeah. So to you, JP, what's your prediction? So I'm gonna go series by series. Uh, so starting with the first series right here, Astros at Cleveland, four games. Uh, I say they go three and one. Uh, we just the. Astros just recently played the Indians before this past series against the Giants, and they won two out of one at home. 
So I think it's going to be a lot of the same. So 3-1 right there. Then we go to the Yankees. I think we lose that one, 1-2. One, so we're at a total of 4-3 and three right now. Come back home to Boston, and I think we win 2-1 Boston. So 3-1, 1-2, 2-1. I'm going 2-2 split with Cleveland. Okay. I really think they're they're set up to really play us really well. They had, we had problems with them last year. And they're a really good team. Jose Ramirez is swinging a good bat. Edwin Encarnacion has given the Astros problems in the past. I like a 2-2 split. Then the Yankee series. This is probably my hottest take. We're sweeping the Yankees in New York. Okay. We're going to make a statement right then and there. People talk. They're tired of hearing about people talking about the Yankees. Our rotation is going to go up there. We're going to mow down some Yankee batters. Gary Sanchez is still not going to be able to catch the ball at home plate. And our bats will wake up on the road, which is where they are usually their best, is on the road. So I like I like a three game sweep uh-huh. in New York. Come back for Boston, three one Boston. Just a huge statement. I'm expecting a lot from this trip. I have us eight and three. Wow. I will say the last game against the Yankees, it is slated to be a Keuchel v Severino game. Severino's been playing out of his mind, pitching uh, out of there, and Dallas Keuchel still he's only three and six. As a record, uh, you can't get too too concerned with that three and six record though. He's looked a lot better in his starts lately, and his yes. ERA is starting to come down a little bit. He's starting to get down into a respectable number. Yeah, and, and, and the, him and McCullers were the two guys we were like, why are they slacking? The other three guys are balling out. Lance McCullers, his numbers, like they've been absolutely ridiculous lately. He has been pitching pitching really really well lately. Dallas Keuchel is still the one that's pitching the worst of the five, but even him, he started to pick it back up. The fact that the, the the Astros have like a point three hundredths of a point ahead of the rest of the people, mm-hmm. uh, the rest of in, in terms of team ERA, they're yes. like head and shoulders above the rest of the competition. Yeah, their their five starters have an ERA of Verlander one point oh eight, Garrett Cole one point eight six, Charlie Morton one point nine four, Lance McCullers three point two, Dallas Keuchel three point four three. Yeah. So your worst starter has the three point four three ERA. I'll take which is a fine. You'll take ERA. that every That's single fine. time. Yeah. And Dallas Keuchel has a history of being a Yankee killer. That makes me even more confident. You bring up a good point. He's he does a, have that solid and, he, and even this year, the the series we played, I believe he was the one that pitched the Ken Giles punching himself in the face game. Uh, I could be the wrong. Yankees earlier? Mm-hmm. Another uh, guy, though, uh, speaking uh, of Ken Giles, uh, since he's punched himself in the face, has been absolutely lights out, hasn't allowed a run yet since he punched himself in the face. I did not know that. I did. I dig. I dug up the numbers. He has not allowed a run since he punched himself in the face. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm looking at it right here. You're talking about the game, though, with the game that Giles got the loss in, right? Yes. Yeah. So that was May 1st against the Yankees, where the Astros lost 4-0. Since then, I'm looking. Uh, you know, he's ha- he had three saves by that point in time, and he's already acquired. Uh, he's gone from three to nine in the month of May, because mm-hmm. that was May 1st. So he's already gotten six saves. Which, to be fair, he would probably have more if he was in save opportunities. Astros, their bats are finally starting to come alive. Less save opportunities for him in order to get those numbers. And a lot of those appearances after he punched himself in the face were in... They weren't in save situations because Hinch didn't want to throw him out there to the wolves while his head wasn't straight. Because clearly, when you're punching yourself in the face, something's wrong with you mentally. Like, you just need to take a breather. Mm. So I'm glad he's figured it out. He's gotten it back on. This is the Ken Giles, the Astros absolutely need to have they cannot afford to have 
the bullpen. They 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 really got away with it last year. Yes, they really got yes. super lucky, given how horrible their bullpen was, mm-hmm. that they won the World yeah. Series. They got lucky by Jansen getting shook up in the middle of the series, and the fact that they got to face Yu Darvish as a starter twice. And the fact, uh, and well, I mean, yeah, th- those definitely played a factor. But I mean, the, the rotation is just so 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 good. Yeah. And it's funny, our best reliever this year has been Colin McHugh, and he was a starter last oh. year. Call McHugh and Brad Peacock, uh, still to this day, the fact that they're both bullpen guys, it just says so much about the, the pitching that absolutely as a whole. Absolutely. So I think if if, if if Ken Giles starts struggling again, I want to see Colin McHugh. Davinsky, I like having Davinsky not in the closer role. Yeah, I think no, that's when he's, he's a 7-8 setup guy. I would love to see Colin McHugh get the ball. We've seen Davinsky get the ball to close games, and he struggled last year. Mm-hmm. Just as the closer. I don't know if he can't handle the situation or not, but Davinsky, we've seen his role is best as the middle reliever. Yes. Come in and get a lefty out. And just come in and get us through these innings. Get us to the ninth. Colin McHugh, though, I think he's got the mental fortitude. He's really cool, calm, collected type guy. I mm-hmm. think he would be a great closer. He could. He is. Well, we have yet to use him in that role. Yeah. So, obviously, you would want to test it a few games, see what happens. The only That's people, what I'm saying. I, w- I want to see it. Yeah. I just want to see how yeah. he does. The only other pitchers currently from this year who have saves, by the way, besides Ken Giles, are Davinsky has two and Brad Peacock has one. And so, it's... You, I'm all about giving him the opportunity or even giving Brad Peacock the opportunity if that's the way that the Astros want to go. Uh, hopefully that opportunity doesn't have to happen. Giles he seems to fa- have found his rhythm that he had in earlier in the year last year when there was more confidence in him as the, as a, a save, a situation pitcher. And so I think the bullpen has shown a lot better th- balls in general Mostly because you've bolstered the bullpen by, by the actual talent in there, but also they seem very much settled down. And more, the biggest thing is are the fact that the Astros bats have finally mm-hmm. started to come alive. That has been huge in the past month, where you, they could not hit the broadside of a barn, and now those Astros bats are really starting to get there. We're really starting to get some of those people. Uh, as you mentioned, Camp has a 400 batting average so far. Uh, Altuve is up at 313. Stasi's 299. George Springer 294. I'm I, obviously I'm, I've been preaching it for weeks. I'm a big Max Stassi fan. I really love what he likes. I think he's going to be the catcher for years and years and years to come wow. for the Astros. I think they found their guy. Wow. They're, they're, Brian McCann doesn't have much. That, you haven't for been us. saying that. This is news to me. No, I, I I mean I haven't been this big on the Max Stassi bandwagon, but I just I just love the way he bats, um, especially for a catcher. I think the fact that he's being able to learn from someone as you know smart as Brian McCann. And even, to a lesser extent, learning from Evan Gaddis as well. Obviously, Gaddis really doesn't catch at all anymore, which is good because we don't need him to. He can play first or DH, whatever uh, the situation calls for. I think Stassi is getting great opportunities, and I think he is very close to solidifying himself, not just in my eyes, but in a lot of people's eyes. Is Okay, yeah, this is the, the another, just adding another young piece to the puzzle. There are so many young pieces already yeah. on that field. He's going to be the next guy. I, wow, I, that's a that's a great take. I, I, I agree with you. I think Stassi's been awesome. I'm not ready to give him the catcher of the future title mm-hmm. yet. For me, I still I still have my eyes on JT Real Muto down in Miami. I would, uh, I still would happily add him in a heartbeat as long as it didn't cost Kyle Tucker or Forrest Whitley, which is what it sounded like. That's what it was requiring yes. before the season. Maybe we can see a, a price tag drop by the, the trade deadline. 
I still would welcome JT Real Muto and and Brian McCann is still he's he's giving he's you still a, got a year or two he's of giving, solid absolutely yeah. he's give, he's having a Brian McCann type season his numbers are looking pretty good maybe 38 34 games played so yeah, yeah nothing not, bad not bad not too bad as a like, slug. from your catcher spot whenever the Astros used to be getting like 200 batting average from Jason Castro mm-hmm. this is a very very welcome addition for sure Je- Brian McCann has been a great great get by Jeff yeah, Luno that that veteran presence that really helps. absolutely absolutely so. Uh, with that, I think that pretty much covers everything we need to get to uh, this week. JP, uh, are you ready for this game tonight? No, I'm not either. I'm, I'm gonna die. Ready. I'm gonna. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just at a loss for words. I I have no idea what's gonna happen tonight. I'm freaking out. I'm nervous. I'm. I need a hug. I need tequila. I need it all. I'm. I'm going to Jeez. be a nervous wreck tonight. Yeah, I just. I don't want to have to give up after the first five minutes of the game like he did in game four. It's like, oh, it's 12-0, it's done. And then my my emotions be pulled at me so many times. It's like, if you're gonna, if you're just, if you're gonna shoot me, just put me down up quick. Just mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to have to sit here and ride the roller coaster of emotions. Either like, okay, we're up twenty points yeah, in the first yeah. quarter, it's game over. Or oh, hey, we're down twenty points in the first quarter, it's game over. It's like, yeah, just just pick something. Put and me stick out with of my it, misery. Man. That's all I want. Or put me in a state of elation that I yes. can celebrate the next two hours with. Exactly. So we each have the Rockets winning tonight. Relatively uh, similar games. Relatively similar games. Exactly. So, JP. Uh it's time. This yeah. is it. The best of three series starts tonight. This is what they've been work, playing the entire year, yep. working since they acquired Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. This is what they wanted. Absolutely. This Game 5 moment in Toyota Center against the Titans of the Golden State Warriors. Uh, icing on the cake that you have a less than 100% <laughs> Iguodala and Clay yes. Thompson. And I would still say less than 100% Steph, but he's close to 100%. Yeah, no excuses for this team that has four I don't think there are any excuses. We'll see how it goes tonight. We'll be back with you uh, next week around this time. We'll see. We'll let you know. Uh, Just make sure you stay up with us on social media, at Clutch Report HTX on Twitter. Uh, Follow us on SoundCloud, Houston Clutch Report, and subscribe to our channel on iTunes, also Houston Clutch Report there. JP, any parting words? No, 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 no. Go Rockets. Go Rockets, baby. All right. Until next time, my name is Spencer Nolan. Uh, This has been the Houston Clutch Report Podcast. H-Town, take it easy, and go Rockets.